Hey everyone, this is Abby Martin. You're listening to the audio version of this episode, which you can watch at youtube.com slash empirefiles. But you can also listen to our new exclusive podcast only at patreon.com slash empirefiles, which makes all our free video content possible. Roger, I'm so happy to have you on Empire Files. It's been such a long time coming, and I just felt like it was the perfect time to talk to you because of everything that's going on right Right. now. Uh, You've been such a long time advocate for Palestinian rights, and you're because you're a humanitarian across the board, right? And Palestinian rights fold into that. Um, You're on a global tour. Your solo show is one of the best political shows I've ever seen with pretty stunning visuals. And I recommend everyone check it out. But I kind of want to go back before October 7th because you were already being investigated by German authorities for some of the visuals and imagery in your show, um, depicting a satirical display of fascism as well as simply displaying Shireen Abu Akhla's name, you know, alongside many names, um, Black Americans who were killed by police, et cetera, as well as Anne Frank. And that did stir up some controversy in Germany. I want you to talk about that and also just kind of the irony of being called an anti-Semitic Nazi, essentially, given who your father was and how he paid the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. Well, as you say, it's been going on for a long time now. And so there's there's really no mystery in it. Uh, the state of Israel is under duress from many, many quarters. I'm I'm just one tiny bit of the BDS movement. And uh, and I have been fairly outspoken. And uh, they picked up on me probably 15 or 16 years ago. Yeah, so the Israeli lobby has got a loud and spiteful voice. And as the Israeli lobby, although it has opinions, doesn't have a leg to stand on in any conversation about the state of Israel, how it was created, the massacres that happened in 1948, all the massacres that have had happened since, all the ethnic cleansing, the destruction of Palestinian villages. And then more recently, after the Second Intifada, um, the bombings of Gaza after they left after the military left, but they created this concentration camp in Gaza. And so there were the bombings in 2008, 9, then 2014, then 2018, 2019, 2021. And now this, this one, which is absolutely unashamed, no argument, no question, genocidal attack uh, intended. All their politicians have come out and and sort of admitted that they are attempting genocide and that they won't be happy until they've achieved it. And what, what of course, you and I and anybody sane is doing is making a huge fuss, but particularly because our governments have given them carte blanche to kill every last Palestinian between the river and the sea, which, after all, is Palestine, always was in our hearts. It always will be. There, there I go again, you see. I'm demanding the death of every Jew on earth. By Which, of course, I'm not. I've got nothing against Jews at all. I never have had, and I never will have. That is not the way I judge people. If I judge people, I judge people by their actions, not by their religion or their ethnicity. As I say it again and again and again, I have explained ad nauseam 
because I've had a long time to work this out, that my platform and the platform from which I speak is the platform built upon the Declaration of Universal Human Rights in Paris in 1948 that you and I know. Okay, there are 30 articles. Many people don't know it. But basically, that's what it says. It says we're all human beings. This was decided after the Second World War when the human race sort of got together in a, in a fledgling uh, United Nations of we the peoples of this earth and said, we don't want all this war bullshit. So we're going to form this organization to avert the possibility of us ever having to go to war again. But this doesn't go along with the moneymakers of the world. And I'm not talking about Jewish people. I'm talking about people who like to make a lot of money and couldn't give a shit about anyone else. And then they are a minority, thank goodness. So, so do we believe in human rights equally distributed amongst our brothers and sisters in the human race, or don't we? I do believe in that concept. The Israeli government, among many other governments, maybe even, but people definitely does not believe in it. They And they admit it openly, at least they're honest about it. They say, we do not believe in civil or, or human or rights under, under the terms of the law for any of the indigenous people of Palestine. We just don't believe it. We think we are special and they are animals. And so obviously they don't deserve it. That would be like giving rights to cockroaches. We don't believe in. So that's why I stand up and make as much noise as I can every single day of my life. So do you. So do many, many, many of mm -hmm. my friends. I want to actually ask you, what was the moment that you woke up to just this egregious situation going on. Because for me, it was, I mean, I was radicalized by the Iraq war, but the 2010 Gaza flotilla massacre was yeah. really the moment that catalyzed my, my radicalism, like my radicalization into how Israel was, um, you know, the working Mavimara. in concert with the media. The Mavi Mara, the Turkish ship, the Turkish. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I was radicalized a little bit before that. My my turning point was when I was doing a tour of Europe in 2005, 2000, 2005. And suddenly there was a gap between Beirut and somewhere or other else. So my agent stuck a gig in in Tel Aviv and they went, oh, oh look, you've got just got time. You can go and do the Haikon Stadium in Tel Aviv. And knowing nothing, really, of which I'm deeply ashamed. I went, okay. So suddenly there was this gig in there and I started to get emails from uh, from supporters of the Palestinian people saying, oi, what do you think you're doing? And luckily, this was exactly the time that um, Omar Burguti, who's become quite a close friend of mine, among others in Palestinian civil society, had just started the BDS movement. They'd looked at the uh, South African model of how the people of South Africa threw off the shackles imposed upon them by the Dutch, by the Boers, for however many hundreds of years it was there. And so they decided that boycott, divestment, and sanction was a great nonviolent way 
are fighting back against the fact that their land was being stolen and they were oppressed and that they were occupied, had been since 1967, and so on and so forth. So it's a, it's a rather long story. Cut it short. I cancelled my gig. In, wow. In, they explained to me that the stadium in, in Tel Aviv, Haikon Stadium, is built on Palestinian cemetery. Oh, it's, my God. It's a desecration of, of the li culture, life, world of the people who were living in the land when the Israelis decided uh, after the Second World War in 1948 to steal it and just take it. So they did, and prevailed upon the United Nations that we were talking um, about before, with a lot of support from the UK government and the United States government even then, to push through um, recommendations that the Jewish people should be given a homeland in Palestine. They didn't ask the Palestinian people, of course. They made a, decided that. Anyway, to finish my story... I actually instead, I did do a gig in Israel. I did it at a peace village that was called, in Hebrew, it's Nevis Shalom, and in Arabic, it's Al-Wahasat, I believe. And it was hugely successful, and 60,000 young Israelis came. Of course, what I didn't realize at the time, that it would only be young Israeli Jews coming to it, because mm -hmm. no Palestinian is allowed to move. So I couldn't play to a mixed audience. There's no such thing. Um and and the the gig it was the dark side of the moon tour and it went swimmingly as you would imagine and they were it's like whoa Roger yeah 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 until we got to the end and I grabbed the mic and I went oh thank you very much what a lovely evening and uh, now is the time this generation this new young generation of Israelis must start talking to your neighbours and make peace with your neighbours and figure out how to stop this the occupation and the blah blah, blah. and they went from Right, so, what the <laughs> in a heartbeat, you know, and in that moment, I thought, oh my god, I don't even begin to understand that. So, I went talk on about my, cognitive dissonance, absolutely. And the next year, I went back and I traveled all over Palestine the next year and saw it with my own eyes. And until you've been there and seen it with you, it's hard to comprehend. Even then, that was in 2006. Mm -hmm. It's hard to comprehend how disgusting it is, how hideous, what a hideous atmosphere everywhere there is. And how, as you say, cognitive dissonance, it's not just inbred into uh, the Israeli population. It's also propagandized into them. They almost inject their children through the eyeball to get them to believe because it's repeated again and again palestinians are animals palestinians they're not human don't even think about them ever and they are so directed at maintaining the idea that is israeli jews are supreme beings chosen by god and nothing must get in there of course they don't of course all israeli jews don't believe that obviously because you can't indoctrinate absolutely everybody. I suggest that might be true of any society. Another name that was on my, during my tour, it's interesting that they should have picked out, you can't have Anne Frank and Shireen Abu Atle in the same context, in the same thing, because Anne Frank is holier than holy and Shireen is an animal. 
She's mm-hmm. past 10. Mm-hmm. You can't. Con- Another name that comes up in that thing is Sophie Skoll. Okay. Well, she, she wasn't Jewish. She was German, but she was executed by the Nazis in Munich in September 1943 for distributing leaflets in the university saying, we have to stop Hitler persecuting our Jewish brothers and sisters. So this is a big circle. And we're all part of it because we're all human beings. We're all brothers and sisters. We're all cousins. And yet, and, but unfortunately, some of us come under the sway of malign influences like the Israeli government who try and teach us that we're special. No, we're not. Well, and when you see uh, U.S. officials, they make very clear what is going on. I mean, you had Biden basically just saying, we, 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 in reference to Israel. Our operation is going well. We are, you know, we're attempting to do this. It's like, okay, you're not even hiding the fact that Israel is this colonial outpost with, uh, you know, utility for the U.S. empire. I just saw RFK Jr. admitting as such. It, It was pretty fascinating. I don't know if you saw this clip, Roger. It was incredible to see a member of the ruling class just explicitly laying out the utility of Israel, saying it's our beachhead, it's our eyes and ears in the Middle East. If we let go of Israel's control and the authority over Israel, China and Russia will get all the oil. And it was just like, wow, finally, someone just saying it for what it is. Let's not tiptoe around this notion that, oh, it's we're protecting it because it's a democracy. Oh, it's this and that. I mean, it, it, it is very important for the U.S. to maintain Israel as its partner. Well, let us not forget that the ADL and Smoly Butich told RFK that they were going to take any possible sniff of the presidency away from him if he didn't toe the line and say, I cannot believe he believes all that bullshit about Israel that he spouts, because most of it is historically incorrect. All that nonsense about 1967 and how Israel was attacked by its Arab neighbors and in heroic way fought back (laughs) and and got the Golan Heights and this. They they weren't attacked. They attacked Egypt and Syria. The whole Israeli project is based on or Orwell. I mean, it's all a projection of what they do to other people and cry victim. And, it, and it's the same with everything. I mean, you mentioned just being there and the atmosphere. I mean, you know how it is to go into the West Bank, the giant red sign saying you could be killed, enter at your own risk. It's like, yeah, by you, yeah. by your soldiers. Like, I mean, Palestine is the most gorgeous place on earth. The people are the most hospitable people in the world. Um, they welcome you with open arms. It's the soldiers. It's the settlers. Those are the people that are fanatical. And and Roger, it kills me to see Israeli officials, as you mentioned, explicit about their genocidal intent. Very clearly. I have never seen so many Israeli media officials and politicians just laying out their genocidal aspirations as I have in the last month juxtaposing that with Biden and all of these so-called liberals that are tiptoeing around the reality. They keep saying, oh, we need a we need a humanitarian pause, Roger. Oh, well, we can't we can't trust the Hamas run health ministry. Well look at Israeli media. They're saying every single death is correct. They're using Hamas death tolls and they're saying this is how many terrorists we've killed on a tracker live. If you're watching Israeli media and, and you have Democrats running cover for this genocide. It's sick and it's crazy. And why are we tiptoeing around what's actually happening here? 
Yeah. Well, that's a very good question, isn't it? How, how, because what's going on in Gaza, you can't, none of us can stop really to think about it because if we do, we just burst into tears and we sit here all day crying our eyes out and saying, go away, pull yourself together. There's work to be done. You need to get out there again. Go out tomorrow. Get on social media. Keep telling people. Keep dinning it into people that there's a genocide being committed on your brothers and sisters, the Palestinian people. And it's a and it didn't start on October the seventh. And you cut well. You can, you can. They do. They try and blame everything on Hamas. Okay, but did some of Hamas commit war crimes? Probably. It's seventy-five years they've been occupied. You know, we let's get let's get this absolutely straight. And this is what they're trying to string me up and the lamppost for saying is they they have a legal and moral right to bear arms against the invader and the occupier of their land. There, I've said it again. Go and get the ropes. String me up from the nearest lamppost. It's the truth. We can't pretend it's not true, you know. Um, so it, it's, well, I know it's, I know it's difficult for everybody, but nobody can imagine what it's like being in Gaza, particularly. I can't. I mean, it's nobody, unprecedented. Can. Nobody could possibly imagine what it's like. And to actually get your mind around the fact that the American people are doing this, are standing by and allowing this to happen to you. What, do they believe the propaganda? That you're animals and that your children are animals and that you're all terrorists and blah, blah, blah. And by the way, Israel does not have a right to defend itself. I mean, it has a right. Say, okay, some of Hamas, we're pretty sure, came across the border on October. Do the Israelis have a right to fight them? At the moment, yeah, because it's called Israel and you have a right to defend your... Do they have a right to attack Gaza in retaliation? No. No right at all. It's a, it's an out-and-out war crime of the gravest kind. It's genocide. It's the worst war. They don't have a. They don't have the right to drop a single bomb on Gaza. None. It's against international law. It's a savage war crime, and to do it, thousands of tons of bombs day after day. And we are all seeing. We're seeing all the footage that comes out, and it is not fake. Although they try and say, they were trying to say that. Hamas were inventing it all and that the dead babies are all made of plastic. They're all toys or shit like that. It's so disgusting. It's so just, again, projection, Roger, what they did. Remember the 40 beheaded babies, the mass rape, Hamas is worse than ISIS. I mean, let's just get this out of the way because these are facts. We're yeah. speaking facts I mean, right now. We're not, we're not speaking fantasy like the IDF and, and media in tow. We mm. all have to lead every story, every description of October 7th and beyond as 1,400 Israeli civilians were slaughtered in cold blood. We don't know how many of those people were military. We don't know how many were armed settlers. And we don't know how many Israeli forces killed themselves between the crossfire, the shelling into the kibbutzes, and also via Apache helicopters with fleeing civilians in the, in the crowd of the festival. I think that an investigation is necessary and an accountability is necessary to find out what the hell actually did happen on October 7th, because the narrative quickly fell apart, Roger. 
Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great? This is how weird the world has got, is that we can never find out what really happened at any point, anywhere, because we, we've because we the people have allowed to, a world to develop whereby whoever's got the loudest voice or owns the most newspapers or TV stations gets to say what the truth is. And that, by and large, that kind of happens. So people believe what they read in the New York Times or what they see on MSNBC or Fox News. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just stuff that they make up. So anything that doesn't suit the status quo, doesn't suit the powers that be, doesn't suit the ruling class elites in their penthouses, is suppressed so that nobody gets to see it. So what what I want to say, if I may use this Mm -hmm. platform, just say this. Thank you. All those people demonstrating all over the world. I don't know how many, but but millions and millions of people out in the streets everywhere going, no, because you see whole families being destroyed in Gaza. Whole families, like 15 or 16 families. It's, it's, it's a slightly alien thing to us because we tend to split off and separate from our family. They don't. You'll find generation after generation, all living in the same apartment building. So the Israelis hit it with one big missile, and that's four generations gone in a split Because they can't build. They have to all live in the same house. They can't build out. And so they... Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, there's no land. Generations. There's no land. There's 2.2 mm. million, or there was, all living in a, you know, 25 miles by 5 miles, or however big Gaza is. No, no, it's shocking, but those people, I want to come back to those people. My son went on the one in London like 10 days ago, whenever. There was between three and 500,000 people marched from Park Corner to Downing Street to protest. I got a message from a, from a, a doctor who goes to Gaza every year to lecture and to help them with their health service. Just an ordinary doctor from London. He's going today. Six o'clock this evening. Well, he's already been there. They had a big demonstration of doctors to try and din it into Rishi Sunak's thick skull that he's committing genocide. Rishi Sunak is the prime minister of the UK. Will he hear? Probably not. You know, he's one of the... task, Roger. I've never seen anything unfolding like I have this. I mean, to see a press conference of doctors urging the West to please not allow Israel to bomb their hospitals. And these fake audio recordings that are released to justify, retroactively justify atrocities. This is the playbook. Israel's been doing this for 20 years. The flotilla massacre, they released a doctored audio recording alleging that the victims were anti-Semites who said, go back to Auschwitz. That was proven to be fake. And no one questions this stuff. They just parrot it uncritically across all major media publications. They're like, oh, well, this this recording that Israel released proves that Hamas operatives are below the hospital. Like, how are we justifying bombing hospitals? The human shield narrative falls apart. How is this military strategy effective if it has no impact whatsoever on whether or not Israel bombs hospitals, ambulances, mosques, shelters? Why would Hamas continue to use civilians as human shields if it has no impact whatsoever on the outcome, Roger. But we just keep repeating it because dehumanizing Palestinians is the goal and it's working in droves. And I have not seen a climate like this since after 9-11 and it terrifies me. 
Yeah, well, you're absolutely right, which is why it makes your job and my job so important that we stand and fight against them, whatever they do. They've just thrown me out of my hotel in Buenos Aires. Why? Yesterday I got I got the I got the news. Oh, they won't let you stay in whatever the name of the hotel is in Buenos Aires because of what you said to Glenn Greenwald in an interview. I I think I said what you said recently that I'd really like to know what happened on October the seventh. Wouldn't it be great if we could actually get the truth of what actually happened without having to guess who did what to whom on on October the seventh? So my crime is not to buy um, the United States Israeli government version of October the 7th. I think it was I asked the question of, it seems weird that if the story we're told is that they blew up the border with explosives and things, and you think, well, hang on a minute, why didn't the Israelis notice or hear? the border being blown up. What actually happened? You can't ask a question like that, but it's a perfectly reasonable question to ask. Why didn't they get, why Why didn't that seem like a warning? This is the same barbed wire fence and concrete blocks that they all sat beside, behind with their sniper rifles, killing medics during the Great March of Return in 2018 and shooting people in the knees and ankles to make sure they were amputees or certainly that they would never walk again. It's that same border. It was swarming with the Israeli. There's 11, I believe, if, if I'm to believe anything, that Hamas actually got to 11 Israeli army camps. And what? They, they didn't hear them blowing up the fence or bulldozing their way through the concrete wall. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, does it? it does it? It doesn't to me. I would and love meanwhile, it. they're I, saying I, that they're intercepting audio recordings of them saying, yeah, man, I got, got a lot of ambulances here. Yep, we're storing all our munitions below the ambulances. Like, so wait, you're, I mean, it's just cartoonishly false, Roger. Mention the recording of the two Palestinians talking to each other about how one of their missiles has gone wrong and dropped on a hospital, which they claimed they had that. And that's been totally debunked as being absolute nonsense by people who actually speak Arabic. I know it's crazy. It's just crazy, crazy, crazy. And meanwhile, did you hear that Netanyahu, he had that town hall? Because Israelis are pissed too. They want the hostages back. Netanyahu doesn't care about the hostages. They've killed God knows how many in bombings. The Hamas has offered release of the hostages three separate times, all civilian hostages, all foreign hostages, just for a five-day pause in the genocide, Roger. No yeah. one cares. And in fact, Netanyahu staged crisis actors Talk about a deranged conspiracy theorist. This guy brought crisis actors to his own town hall to pose as families of the hostages to praise his policy. I swear to God. I mean, this is this is how deranged stuff is because you have Israelis protesting, finally, saying this is crazy. Let's get the hostages back. Meanwhile, you have this mantra all across the media, free them all, bring them home. It's like there's no attempt whatsoever to bring them home. It's not about the hostages. 
but it's become about the hostages as just a smokescreen because what they really want to do is take the rest of Gaza. They're saying it explicitly. There you have soldiers on the beach well, saying we're back in our ancestral lands. Let's take Gaza and Lebanon. Yeah, but they haven't they haven't actually mentioned the hostages as far as I've noticed. All they've said is we are going to destroy Hamas if we have to raise the whole of Gaza to the ground and turn it to gravel. And that's the only way we can get rid of Hamas, then we will. We'll kill them. And they've said it openly, and they've said it over and over again. Yeah, you're right. I don't remember hearing that's not to say they haven't said it, maybe they have, but I don't remember anything coming out of the Israeli government and saying the only thing that matters to us is our people, our citizens of Israel, our Jewish people who are being held hostage. We must our first absolutely first responsibility is to make an exchange. We don't care how many political prisoners of the Palestinians. We, we want our people home safe. We'll do anything for that. We'll stop the this. Damn, I said that. And why, why, they don't, why don't they care about the citizens of Israel? The answer is apparently not. But what the other interesting thing, and I know when you and I have finished this, the other side, there is another side of social media. It, there'll be caricatures of you and I in Nazi uniforms and saying that we're Nazis. And they've got it completely the wrong way around. No, we're not. But somebody is. Somebody's trying to commit genocide. But it ain't you and me. We're trying to create peace. I, I take, If you look at my site this morning, I, I think I say that Netanyahu should be locked up forever. But the main thing is, that to whom it, because I wrote to whom it may concern, it's the Israeli government and the US government. We have we must have a ceasefire now, but not a pause. Not a pause. That is disc. I mean, that would be better than nothing. No, it has to be a ceasefire forever. No more killing in the Holy Land ever by anyone. No more killing in the Holy Land ever by anyone. We are all equal and we all deserve equal human rights. That, Mr. Netanyahu, includes the people of Palestine, whatever their religion, and the people of Israel, whatever their religion. This supremacist bullshit must end because it's the only way to stop the war and the killing this well, is the, this is what we the people of the world want the huge majority of us want to stop the fucking killing so stop now not one more minute or hour there's not you know Roger, and, and it's reduced to tone policing because once all the narrative fell apart about the babies and the rape and Hamas's ISIS and, and because it just became quickly about the war crimes every day that Israel was committing, hundreds killed in single airstrikes, shelters and mosques and hospitals. It was just it's just horrific day to day. It just continues to get worse. And so it became quickly change to tone police pro-Palestine demonstrations, if not outright ban them in places like France and Germany, you can't wear a kafia, you can't say free Palestine. But here, you mentioned the phrase from the river to the sea. This is fascinating. The Anti-Defamation League prior to October 7th 
recognize that phrase as just a simple chant at pro-Palestine demonstrations. Fast forward, they have retroactively changed their website to change history real time. There is historical revisionism going on across the board to now say that is a phrase that always meant incitement to the genocide of Jewish people. And now we're we're sitting here debating um, a hypothetical phrase of hypothetical incitement to genocide versus actual genocide happening day to day. Thousands of babies being pulled out of rubble. And this is the bullshit that we're talking about. What does from the river to the sea mean? Meanwhile, commanders of the Israeli army are gleefully cheering on, we're going to take Lebanon? Well, we've seen it before, so we know what's going on. It's, it's, ju it's, it's just, it's when you get a government that believes in supremacy, it doesn't matter where it is or what or what the year is. It doesn't matter if it's the 1930s or the 2020s. Once you get a people who think and believe, or a government who think and believe that they are superior in some way, in some way to their neighbors, ethnically or religiously, or in some way culturally superior to others particularly if it's people whose land they want to steal, then they'll do anything. All bets are off. And, why, if, and particularly if they can get their people to believe this nonsense, to believe that one group of people, then they become genociders. Okay, and, I, and everybody who understands the meaning of the word genocide or apartheid knows that those two words now absolutely pertain to the failed state of Israel. It has failed to reach the standards necessary to claim to call itself a state in this modern world, where we have the science to, to back up the idea that we're all brothers and sisters and cousins. We're all from Africa. It's only been 150,000 years, approximately, maybe 200,000, that Homo sapiens has been spreading all over the globe. And we, some of us look a bit different to others because of where we got to and the fact that we intermarried and blah, 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 blah. But we're all the same race, the human race, and there's only one race. So all this stuff is bullshit. And unfortunately, uh, you know, here I go again, but I can't help it that so many of us over the last few thousand years have used the same God to rape and plunder and steal and kill and whatever. Also, you know, the Crusades are only 500 years ago. And, and obviously the evangelical Christian right wing, the Christian fascists in the United States are slavering for Armageddon. They, they're desperate for the end of times because they believe, guess what? They believe they're superior to other people because they believe in Jesus in a different way than other people do. Well, they believe in God in a different way, for instance, than the Jews. So that when Jesus comes back and they believe this, they're all going to go to heaven with Jesus holding hands. And all the Jews are going to burn in hell for all the time. Right. Believe this <laughs> fucking bullshit. <laughs> and that's why the evangelicals love Israel. Right. It's like... believes it. Joe Biden believes <laughs> yeah, it. Right. 
I mean, it's insane. And these people are ruling the world, you know, and they believe this absolute, complete, arrant nonsense that found its way, however many thousands of years later, you know, to a book called the Bible, or and then it was changed a bit and it became the Quran. But they're all Abrahamic religions. It's so, fascinating. It's fascinating to see evangelical Christians. It's no, it's not funny though. No. And so no. they're Rabid, rabid support for Israel is because they want it to happen, because they want to watch all the Jews burn in hell. They're the anti-Semites. Right. I mean, they're insanely anti-Semitic. And they accuse me of being an anti-Semite. As I said to Glenn Greenwald in my interview, and they won't they won't have mentioned this bit. I said to Glenn, Glenn. Let me tell you, there's only one person in the world who knows whether Roger Waters is an anti-Semite or not. And guess who that is? And he nodded wisely, because he knew who he is. It's me. I know what's in my heart. You think if I was an anti-Semite, I wouldn't know it? I mean, it, it beggars belief that anybody could possibly imagine that anybody could actually be an anti-Semite and not know it themselves. I know, I know that I'm not because it never crosses my mind what somebody's religion is, whether they're a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim or a Hindu or a Sufi or a Sikh. Or, it never crosses my mind. Never. It's, it's disgraceful, Roger. I mean, you're an anti-racist. You're an anti-bigot. You are humanitarian across the board. And that's, yeah. that's the threat. I mean, the threat is that you don't otherwise and dehumanize who needs to be dehumanized in order to advance the goals of imperialism. And you are a thorn in their side and they can't control you. I wanna wrap this up. I wanna mention two things that I think are really important. I, I think one important factor is what the state of Israel will, you know, what it will look like when it incorporates um, Palestinians as equals, you know, because Jewish, citizens uh, and Israeli citizens will play an important part in the post-apartheid state, the one state solution that I think we're all vying for with the BDS yeah, yeah. movement and with our humanitarian cause worldwide. And, and that's BDS important because it's not about expelling Israelis or Jews. It's about incorporating everyone to have equal rights. Exactly. So what's, but yeah, exactly. And I'm glad you've asked that because one of the things I said to Glenn is that it gets so uh, engaged in these arguments across social media about who's what, blah, 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 but the, but the, we don't actually spend much of our time sitting around making a plan. I mean, it seems to me, and that, well, what do I know? I'm I'm just a simple bass player. But I would suggest <laughs> that people, are, have you noticed that there's beginning on the right to resurrect the two sta- a two-state thing? Mm-hmm. So, and you see, immediately you go, well, look, there's only there's only two possibilities for it. Because the racist apartheid state of Israel cannot survive. It's over. You're done. You had every chance in the world since 1948, 75 years, to make a two-state thing happen. And the Palestinians would have accepted all this bullshit about Yasser Arafat sabotaging. is nonsense. They would have done, definitely. Particularly, I think, after 67. But they would have done uh, before that. They wouldn't have liked it, but they would have done it. But now that you've built, put 700,000 settlers into the occupied territories, that makes it more difficult. So there are two choices. Either 
a democracy from the river to the sea, if you're listening, guys, you guys who had Mark Lamont Hill fired from his university job for saying from the river to the sea about seven years ago, as I recall. Anyway, so, so it's either a single democratic state, absolutely equal rights for everybody in it, including Israeli Jews, it, because it will be irrespective of your ethnicity or your religion or your previous nationality if this is a new state, unified state. Okay, uh, so so there's that. No more masters, no more slaves, one person, one vote. Really very, very simple to understand. Okay, or a two-state solution. But but in order to do figure that out, and it has to be figured out quite quickly, you're going to have to figure out how to either those 700,000 Jews or Israelis, whether they're Jews or not, because a lot of them are actually Russians and they're, not, and they're not Jews. They pretended to be Jews so that they could get the money to, to emigrate to Israel. You're offered money to go and live there if you were a Jew because of the demographic, because they would do anything but have a democracy. The democracy idea is what scares them beyond anything else. So, but for a two-state solution, first you're going to have to figure out the borders. I don't know how you do that. It's not my job. It might be the pre-67 border. I've no idea, whatever. But it has to be equitable. So either that 700,000 have to go back into what will become Israel but and what will be Palestine, or 700,000 Palestine refugees have to go and look in what is now Israel. So there's sort of a bit of a balance, a bit of give and take, not master-slave. That ain't going to happen because the world will not allow you to do it, Mr. Netanyahu, and all the other right-wing settler crazies. But one thing I noticed was that the police who represent these assholes at the top of the, the government were beating up Orthodox Jews in the street mm -hmm. because they subscribe to Judaism, which is a right. very loving, kind, fair, economical, caring about brothers and sisters. And, and the people on the caring side of the Jewish faith have moved forward. Many of them are great friends of mine. They don't live in that crazy any more than all the Christians that I know and love live in the world of the Christian fascist evangelical. Oh, Jesus is coming back and we're going to go to heaven. Everybody else will die in agony for a whole eternity. Thank you, Jesus. Fuck you. Sorry. So I don't know. I don't know how many states it will be. But they're going to have to give shit up. Well, yeah. and Hamas's ch revised charter not only distinguishes between Zionism and Judaism, but they also make that distinction. They say, we are willing to accept the two-state solution on the pre-1967 borders with Jerusalem as the capital. This is laid out. And, and if you look but at Bernie Sanders, new. who's a abysmal failure, Bernie Sanders, who has crushed all illusion of any sort of change within the Democratic Party. What a disgrace to, to, for how many days in, Roger, and he still hasn't called for a ceasefire. And this is what I wanted to end with, is just your opinion, looking at the landscape of the Democratic Party right now, not yeah. one white congressperson has called for a ceasefire. You have this very tiny minority daring to say the most obvious thing in the world, stop the bloodshed. Yeah. And it is so difficult. Everyone's bought out. 
everyone is a joke and everyone is enabling genocide. I mean, in a way, it's almost good that the illusion has completely fallen. I think this is the line in the sand. At least I see Gen Z out in the streets. I mean, I'm inspired. I'm also repulsed by the inaction and enabling of our government for this horrific genocide. I saw Rashida Tlaib bursting into tears in Congress yesterday and being comforted by Ilan Omar. And I was sitting in tears at my computer, you know, my laptop, watching this. And then I saw the vote afterwards, which is like huge vote in favor of genocide in, in the Congress. Speaking of Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders had some um, small value in terms of domestic policy. In the, I don't know if you remember this, but four years ago, I think it was February 2019, I think maybe without even thinking, Bernie Sanders represented Guaido in Venezuela as the president of Venezuela, along with all the rest of them, along with all the neocons and along with everybody. When asked, he went, well, he's obviously he's obviously the real president of what? what the, and you just think, oh, my God, why did I ever listen to a single word this moron said? I tell you what it is. It's little USA. We used to talk about little Britain. And the people who clung to the idea of empire in England were called little Englanders. And they were stupid beyond all belief. And now the chickens are coming home to roost. The last of them, the Nigel Farages and the, um, what's the horrible blonde-headed bloke called, um, uh, who went? Who went to Ukraine to say you can't make peace? Boris, oh, John- Boris Johnson. Yeah. yeah but, all, all, but and now England is dying on its feet. It's it's almost gone. It only possible. Its only possibility of surviving is as a vassal state to the equally dying empire of the United States of America. Little Englanders thinking that they still control the world and they can still go around the world stealing everybody's land, oil, women, anything that they've got, gold, lithium, any anything that anywhere in the world is gone, we can go and get it because we are an empire and there's nothing anybody... Yeah, there is, and they're doing it. The United States is just drifting into that part of its history. The the part of it being the big empire where it can go and steal everything from everybody and get away with it is over. Get used to it. And it'll take the people of the United States quite some time to get over it, even though they can feel it in their daily lives because the ruling class in the United States of America is stealing from them and has been for the last hundred years at least. And now they suddenly realize that they can't afford rent and potatoes or French fries or whatever they live on, you know, and maybe a gallon of petrol to put in the car. And a team is out of reach. They can't do it. People can't live. They live on a desperate knife edge. Most people in the United States are right. And yet there's Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg, you know, with couple of hundred billion dollars each or whatever they've got. And nobody give nobody says boo. Oh, good for them, they say, and then die. Yeah, good for them. I'm yeah. next. 
Yeah, or, or they crawl back into their tent on the side of the road and watch them drive by in their, you know, in their um, limousine and go, well done. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny. But it's, I mean, it's crazy yeah. because it's true. Yeah, it's We're true. living in the most topsy-turvy fucking dystopian hellscape, Roger. I, you know, my friend Ahmed Abu Artema, the, the organizer of the Great March, his son was murdered. He's sitting in a hospital bed with second degree burns. And he just texted me this morning. I said, Ahmed, what can we do? What can I do? He said, protest, protest and and try to lobby your government to stop this horrifying genocide. They're targeting the families. They're targeting the children. And yeah. the the feeling in my heart, Roger, seeing, you know, the, the disgust with our government, but then seeing the outpouring of support and love and direct actions, millions of people around the world stopping boats, blocking them, stopping weapon systems, stopping Boeing from loading weapons on their airplanes. This is amazing what they're doing. Yeah. This is incredible. And this is what we need to do. And this is the power of solidarity. Yes, and it it's a beautiful thing. And yes, um, how yeah. are you, how's the reception when you're going all over the world and talking about this with your audiences? Are people, do you think people get it? I think they do get it. And a lot of people thank me for it all the time. And the Israeli lobby, APEC, want to kill me. They want me dead, definitely. They do. They wouldn't kill me if they thought they could get away with it. And they may they may find some crazed, you know, lunatic. Who knows? You, you never know. But, yeah, I, I feel – well, I don't have to because luckily I have this little laptop and I see the people all over the world standing up. And we recognize that that it's Palestinians today, and yesterday it was people after Suata in Indonesia, or it was East Timor, you know, or it was in Ceylon, or it was there. So, so because the filthy blunder of stealing people's riches from them and killing anyone who decides that they don't want to have all their shit stolen from them is everywhere. It's been everywhere. We have been not we. The Zuckerbergs and, and Bezoses and Bidens and Rishi Sunaks and Boris Johnsons and Tony Blairs and George W. Bushes have been plundering this small, beautiful planet that we call home under our eyes, stealing it from anybody that they think they can because they feel that they're stronger there. Absolutely remorselessly and without any feeling of regret or shame or or anything and it's disgusting so whenever i see that whoever the latest thing is it was the spanish and then it'll be the norwegians and then the belgians are recalling their diplomatic staff from tel aviv and saying no and cutting off diplomatic that's the beginning the next week will be us saying i'm not going to sell you any more bulldozers if a caterpillar ever did that or whatever and then it'd be say, actually, we can't in all conscience sell you more aeroplanes or bombs or any of that. And you know what the final thing will be? We're going to look them in the eyes and say, you can't come to the Olympics. You are a pariah state and the rest of the world hates what you're doing. doesn't hate your people. doesn't hate Jews. It hates what you are doing as a state. 
It's been absolutely, completely wrong since 1948 when you started doing this to the Palestinian people. It's been wrong for 75 years and it'll go on being completely wrong until we stop you. And you know how we are going to? We're not going to play football with you or let you be in sports or come to our universities, or join in art, or opera, or this or that. No musician will come and play in Israel. There may be only a few of me at the moment, but we we are a few. But it's not just me and Brian Eno. And you know, this is this number is going to grow. Nobody will come. People, everybody, and his wife used to go and play in South Africa until the anti-apartheid movement started. And suddenly, after a while, it was a couple of diehards, you know, Elton John and Dion Warwick. Bless them. I don't mean bless them, really. But they just <laughs> laughed, you know, they, 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 they can't understand it. So they're intellectually and emotionally impaired. And you have to understand that there are a few people like that, but thank goodness, most of the people in the world care about each other and they care about not just their mum and dad and their children, they care about other people's children. They have the capacity to empathise with others. There, 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 are, there are, I suspect, precious few people in the whole world who can look at what's being done by the Israelis to the people of Palestine and specifically to the people of Gaza now without <clears throat> gasping for breath and saying, nada mas, not in my name. So we'll see. Our hearts are in Palestine, Roger. Our hearts are with our brothers and sisters in Gaza. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Despite the world being on your shoulders, the Israeli lobby breathing down your neck, you are a hero to so many. Thank you so much for taking the time and well, good so luck with you. the rest of your tour. So, so are you. Not at all. It's been a pleasure as always. See you in another few months. Thank you for listening to our Empire Files podcast. Help keep us independent and ad-free at patreon.com slash empirefiles. And be sure to catch our newest episodes by subscribing to our YouTube channel.